Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you live in your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, also known as the eighth wonder of the world. We're back like we never left. Thanks for listening. Wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're watching us on YouTube, rate us, review us, give us five stars. Anything less than five stars is uncivilized. I am Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I and I am him and I am one half of your humble and gracious host. And of course, you all know I am not flying this aircraft by myself. This man of many disciplines, many skills and many talents, my friend, my brother, my brethren, once again, Dr. Jason Coleman, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on, good brother? Man, I'm good. I'm blessed. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm back. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm feeling new energy, re, you know, re, reinvigorated, you know. Um, but just again, just want to thank everybody who's taking the time to kind of listen to us, been with us over the summer. I know we both had a lot going on. So um, just thank you for everybody that's been hanging with us. Um, you know, feeling good. What's up with you? Nothing, man. Um, feeling feeling well. Much needed rest, like we said, over the summer. Catching up on some things. Uh, much deserves time off and self-care, as we always preach. Got to absolutely take care of yourself, you know, mentally, emotionally, and physically. So glad to be back out here and giving some information to people. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, you know, again college football just starting you know we had a couple conversations about that so you know and the nfl is getting back in the swing so it's a good part of the year for me absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. because of uh your, your cowboys are looking pretty good out there yeah they look good but listen i'm a realistic i tell people i'm a realistic cowboys fan so this is the this is the part i gotta enjoy because the breakup you know is, is they're gonna leave me heartbroken bro before the season is over you know you know what I mean? But it's cuffing season right now. You know, we good right now. But, you know, <laughs> when it gets super cold, they're going to break up with me. You know, we know. Uh, you know. Speaking of but which. Your, your, your boys look good, too, though. Oh, yeah. Listen, we're we're uh, some diaper dandies. You know, we got the young, young boy, young AR out there looking confident. Yeah, yeah, we, man. we might make a little noise. I just need him to stay healthy and play well. You know yeah, what man. I, I, I get it. But I, listen, man, in general. I'm just feeling good because this is a good part of the year for me. Like I like, I think the fall is underrated. You know, you got football. You know, the weather is kind of mild. You know, it's jacket season. I could pull my boots back out. You know, I'm from Jersey, so you know, so it's a good, it's a good time, man. Good time. Speaking of good times, you alluded it to uh, a little earlier as far as uh, Coach Prime. So we absolutely want to acknowledge and highlight his success uh, of uh, Coach Deion Sanders of the amazing job that he's doing at the University of Colorado. I'll absolutely be watching the game later on this evening. So congratulations to him and his current success. We also have to shout out and acknowledge Coco Golf, the tennis phenom who won last year. I mean, uh, not last year, last weekend, who won the U.S. Open. And is the second youngest champion to win since Serena Williams. So absolutely. Definitely take my hat off to her, first and foremost. And listen, the thing about Dion, what I tell people is love him or hate him, it's you got to love the story, you know, and um, appreciate the grind. And it's definitely, you know, something that most people in college football can appreciate because it's brought a lot of attention, eyes, and money to the, uh, you know, to the sport. So, you know, it's a good story, man. Love him or hate him. Can't deny it. Can't deny the success that he's had. All right, so speaking of football, we would be remiss if we didn't cover a situation with some very animated characters and some very uh, suspicious behavior taking place. <laughs> Getting ready to get into uh, BS High, the documentary on uh, on HBO Max that aired about two, three weeks ago. I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer and then we're going to get into it, all right? 
IMG to kick off to Bishop Sycamore. Do you want my hands like this, like this, like that? <laughs> Just be natural. You don't have to try. Coach Roy Johnson told us they had a number of Division I prospects. New high tip, intercepted. Makes it a pick six. Into the end zone. He'll waltz in, and that will do it. Do I look like a con artist? How this happens got a lot of people scratching their head. Bishop Sycamore is not even a real high school. They did not have teachers. We really was pretty much on our own. We didn't have any trainers. People were sharing helmets. It was disgusting. I was literally sick to my stomach. I can't believe this happened again. My philosophy in business is do what the people who have the money do, even if you don't have the money. Roy will tell you he's a liar. He knew what to say, how to say it. He's like, oh, man, you got to let that go. I said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of his neck after I grab it. I think I'm the most honest liar that I know. How can you coach kids and you know it's not a school? Roy would tell people, you're going to be playing in Alabama. He was a silly man dream. Ohio was embarrassed by this. They called the thing explicitly a scam and then said they couldn't do a damn thing about it. Bishop Sycamore does not happen if there wasn't an abundance of money in high school sports. Let's go! Did I break a law? Is it illegal? Am I in jail? We're on ESPN. Win, lose, or draw, we win. This is not what we were supposed to create. How do I tell my mama that coach wants me to do the same stuff that you try to get me away from? You say you care about it, but did you really? Can we take a break? That's some bullshit. All right, so I'm going to give a brief uh, summation in addition to that trailer. All right, so Roy Johnson. All right, that's that's the star of the show. So in the fall of 2018, he began recruiting some high school football players to uh, from like impoverished and lower SES neighborhoods. And actually, some of these kids were actually like legal adults. I mean, some of them were like 20, 21 years old. All right. So he's recruiting them to play startup for a, uh, a startup prep high school in Columbus, Ohio, called Christians of Faith Academy, which was like the precursor to Bishop Sycamore that he claimed was affiliated with a church. The issue with all of this is that neither school ever actually existed, all right? So not only were the players that he recruited, were they not attending school, uh, they were living in and getting kicked out of hotels uh, where like Johnson wasn't even paying the bills. Like he had something called like a net 90, at the height that the hotels would allow him to stay in for like three months without paying, like because he was like on good faith that they're gonna pay it after the end of the 90 days. So he would just rock with that. So he would let stay in for like 90 days and then like the hotel would kick him out like after that 90 day thing. Because he was like, oh, we can get through a whole season without even paying. All right. So that was what they were staying in. Um some of the players that were interviewed in the documentary, as we just saw in the trailer, described the situation as um as like they, they weren't getting fed, like they were left for hungry. They were barely given anything to eat. He would take the kids to Walmart to steal food. Um, he was encouraging them. For them to steal the food. Yeah, he was taking them to to Walmart to steal the food. Because this is what he would do. One of his tricks that he would do is um, he would order like uh, like 25 chickens, right? And not pick them up. And he knows that the store would have to mark them down just so they can make a profit at the end of the night. And that's when he would have the kids go in there and like steal them because they would have to put them out. You see what I mean? Like register and things of that nature. So he was taking them to do that. He was encouraging kids to take out the PPP loans under the COVID, uh, COVID-19 relief program just to pay their tuition. Right. All right. So this is what's going on, like living quarters and behind the scenes. On the field, the players were saying that they weren't even really practicing. He said they weren't practicing. They weren't like doing drills. He said the playbook that they were utilizing was copied out of Madden. They were copying Madden the game. That he, the video game? Yeah, that's that's the play. That's the play that they were using. All right. They didn't have adequate enough football equipment. You saw like they kind of highlighted in the in the trailer that they were sharing helmets and other different football equipment. So you would have one player coming off the field and he would just throw his helmet to the other kid. Right. The mom, she bought the helmet from like Models or someplace or like Sports Authority. 
So, you know what I mean? Then you had a situation where uh, there was no there were no trainers or any type of healthcare professionals, like in case there was an injury and so on and so forth. So it all came to a head. Now, mind you, this is going on since 2018. Right. This all came to a head in August 2021 uh, due to a matchup that because he was somehow able to finagle a way for his team to play against uh, IMG. Which yeah. was- a high profile high school uh school team right, right. They're, they're every year top like top five every year so he he manages to get his team play against this high profile football team at routing like 58 to zero i mean people were getting hurt uh like one player tore his acl the other one broke his shoulder really? like these that's kids, the part i never yeah. understood because right. they this had been obviously he took advantage of these kids, right? And their families, you know. But what I, the part I didn't understand is that, like, I could understand if it happened one year because nobody graduated from the program. So, 2018, I, was, I assume you might have a season, 2019, 2020. This ESPN game that got all this publicity didn't happen until 2021, right? Right. So, I guess, like, I got to watch the whole documentary, but. I'm wondering what his records were through the, all these other seasons, right? And how, if like they're not, if there's no school, right? The kids aren't going to school. They're not graduating from school. Nobody ever graduated. Like, how is how are they certifying like games against other schools, playing them, and then you understand what I'm saying? And then and then elevating themselves amongst the standings to the point where they can play a game on ESPN. Like that's that's the part that's crazy to me because this isn't. Like, yo, this is, to me, it's different than AAU, like, rec basketball teams, right? Where you can just be like, this is a church basketball team, and all of a sudden they got the best players in the city, right? Like, because you, because they, they don't have to be going to school. You know, you know what I mean? It's like a rec thing. But from what, the, from what you was telling me and from what the trailer is saying and everything that I looked at with the articles, this was actually supposed to be a high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. That's what he was saying. He That's was, what he was advertising it as. But it was never happening. So just from that part alone, I'm wondering why it wasn't people like sniffing around like, yo, how is it a high school and nobody has graduated and there's no building and there's no curriculum? You, you know what I mean? I, I, but it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. And I think the, the unfortunate part is that it's the lack of parental involvement. Right, like you throughout the whole document, throughout the whole documentary, there were maybe two parents I think that might have been kind of in the know that they were suspicious that there were some things that weren't above board. But for the most part, like he was pulling these kids off the street, right? And unfortunately, it's just been you, you've seen the history that if any situation or any population of kids or people are getting taken advantage, it's the ones that are in the marginalized population, right? Cause they don't have, right. they don't have actual adults that are like well-informed. They're going to advocate for them. They're going to ask questions, so on and so forth. So he was literally like taking these kids off the street, some were homeless, whatever the case may be. And he was just like, yeah, come with me. I'm going to promise you, you can go play for Alabama and get your ESPN, so on and so forth. And they were, he was like taking them. They're living in hotels. So nobody, questions like nobody he's doing all the talking like you said he's so, representing let me ask you this though cool this is just a quick like i know how he got the players that's not surprising to me right and for him be able to be getting the players like locating certain areas where he can get the players but my question is was he taking them like out of state then sometimes you know what i mean because i'm like I don't want to like that. That's kind of like I had wrote it down. I didn't. I was wondering what your opinion was in terms of not blame, but in terms of like for the parents, like what should their level of involvement have been, right? Because you, as a as a parent, even if no matter where you're at, you know what I mean, or what your situation is, isn't it still your obligation to do your due diligence to make sure your kid is safe? I mean, like if somebody comes and says that you. They're taking, I understand it's a big opportunity, NFL, Alabama, I get all the lights and and the, and the opportunity, right? Life-changing, generational. 
but you still, even if Lane Kiffin comes in your house, you still got to make sure that the scholarship is real, right? And that your kid is really going to have a place on the team, right? So where, where does that responsibility begin and end? Or, or was this guy just, just legitimately coming into their house, gaining their trust, saying, give me your kid and I'll take it from here, and then just conning it? You know, you know, like there's definitely culpability on the parents, and that's why I say I don't know. I'm just asking because you know I don't want to be too hard on them because I don't know what the situation is. Lack of involvement. So he knows, like to me, honestly, I'm gonna and I'm I'm not using this word lightly, but he absolutely I put him in that category as being a predator, right? Because it's very predatory behavior. Because he knows full well I can walk in. And either these kids or the majority of these kids are not going to have any parental involvement or it's going to be maybe single home. And I can go in there and sell them. Hey, this kid's going to be I'm going to take care of him. He's going to be going to Alabama. He's going to be going to this school. And unfortunately, whoever is in charge, whoever the guardian is, whoever the parent is. And we've heard this story millions of times that, oh, yeah, well, my, my child went to go live with the coach. My right. child went to go such and such, right? So you think it's one of those situations, like, because he's hearing and he's telling you all of these wonderful things, and it sounds so attractive, so the allure was there. But absolutely, they're being taken advantage of, like we just mentioned, financially, where he's having them pay tuition or take out loans that they're paying him for a, a situation or a building that's not actually brick and mortar, right? So he's getting that money. And he's taking them, he's traveling there, they're on a bus, they're going to play whatever team that's out of state or whatever the case is. He's getting funding, though, along the way. That's another thing. So he's, whoever he's talking to on the other side of the phone as far as setting up a schedule, and they're buying into that because he's getting funding from them. That's why he has so many lawsuits. Like, this dude, right. later in the, do- in, like, during the documentary, he has something like 20, 30-something, like, lawsuits pending for, like, money fraud, all these other different things, because he didn't actually break a law. But as far as like fraud and mismanagement, all these other different things, like he's being sued by just various partnership, right? Oh, I'm I'm sure he is, man. Like and you know. game because there was like a um there was like a gap in the schedule. So they were looking for a team. So he, I think, just kind of kept calling, kept calling around circles. And so when he saw the opportunity that they needed a filler for that, that, that IMG team to be on television, jumped at it. Like, listen, the, they played that IMG team like on a Saturday. His Bishop Sycamore team played a game on Thursday, Jay. That's right. unheard of. Like Thursday, yeah. playing a game two days later? No, I get it. it happened on I mean, for, to me at least, like more importantly, like, he ruined a lot of these kids' opportunity, you know, to have a look, you know what I mean? And if they did it the right way, you know? Um, well, not the right way, but you know what I mean? If they did a, do another kind of um, route, you know? Um, because, again, it's we know that, that you know, there's a time limit on, on, like, how much time you have in terms of college, NFL, all of that. There's a window on that. Um, and after that, they're just going to look for the for the next young prospect. Um, and then there's probably a stigma, whether we say it or not, from being associated with that program at this point. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, it felt I really felt bad for some of the kids because one of them, after this whole debacle, um, had an opportunity to try to play at um, one of the HBCUs. Hmm. And he got accepted or he was like him and his mom were like in talks going through the admission process and it fell through because the last two years of school were didn't exist. So he didn't actually have grades or, or transcript that was valid for him to actually say, hey, I finished high school. Like I graduated right. because you went to a non-existent school. So like not only were and this is why when I when I when I think about him or describe him, it's like utter disregard that he had for these kids for the reason that, yep. of course, we saw what was happening to him, like just physically on the field. Right. A lot of them are up against, of course, players that are larger, bigger, faster, more talented, uh, more skilled. They're actually in an actual school and structure and practice. So kids were getting hurt physically. But even just 
in addition to the PPP loans, like financially, they're they're being um, being taken advantage of. But now, like academically, you have kids that were trying to go on to actually correct the situation or move forward, and they couldn't because now they were handicapped due to a school or transcript or lack of thereof that didn't take place. So, like on yeah, so like that, it was like so many different subset issues that yes. this. So many issues that come from this one issue, right? You got the PPP loan issue. That's very concerning. Um, all of these kids that didn't really graduate from high school and thought they did. That's concerning. You know what I mean? Um, and then all the other lawsuits and all that other stuff, man. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Um, I'm definitely going to watch the whole thing. But uh, it's an interesting story, man. It definitely brings to light that. Um, one just about high school football because high school football across America is so large and so lucrative that they don't even have a, a like a legal ability to regulate it, right? Like he hasn't, again, he hasn't been brought up on charges for anything to place with Sycamore High because again, it wasn't illegal, right? It, right. it was more violations of kind of how they set up as, uh, in regards to like high school athletics and things of that nature. So there are so many loopholes that allow people like him and that type of behavior um, for teams and clubs to pretend that they're a school so that they can play these big, powerful teams because the IMGs and all these other different schools are looking for like schedules, right? They're looking for opportunities to play other teams, to do whatever. And you'll have like loopholes in the system that they that are going to slide into it, right? Make some quick money, even if. I mean, three to four years of him doing this operation is a lot of time, a lot of money. And again, it didn't happen. Like, this might have actually still been going on if he didn't play against IMG on ESPN. Because, like, as the game went on, Jay, even the commentators were like, oh, wait, this doesn't look right. Like, they were just getting manhandled out there. There were players that they didn't have on the roster, so the commentators couldn't go. Like, that's where it all blew up. Because once he got them on ESPN, and that was his goal, too, right? His goal was to like, oh, listen, I want to get this team. I want to get myself on ESPN. And then there was like a complete lack of empathy for the whole situation or for the players. Like they were showing him like uh, some of the testimonials from the players that they were talking about currently. And the coach got upset. Like, I don't know what they're upset for. He's like, I told him I was going to get on ESPN. There they go. They're ungrateful. They're this, that, and the third. So it's the it's the whole arena of high school football and that landscape that unless some of these laws or some of these other different policies are going to change, you're going to have more individuals that are going to hustle and scam their way through and kids are going to get offended by, I mean, are going to get affected by it. I mean, cause think about it, even the hustle goes on in the grand scheme of things because the fact that he's in this documentary, like he's getting paid for that. Right. See? So, and he, I mean, even- I, listen, it's, it's, above my pay grade so i i really don't i again i don't know how you have a high school that doesn't have any graduates for three years and whatever town it's in state it's in city it's in there's no nobody's sending a letter nobody's making a trip over there nobody and they have a football team and nobody has graduated ever i mean it's just i don't know who's in charge of that isn't the board of education involved with that I mean, I don't know. So, again, it's not my area, but I'm I am flabbergasted. That's how that happened. I'm gonna leave it there. A lot, a lot. Now, <laughs> like you said, the state, parents, him, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's just unfortunately you see a lot. I'm, I guarantee you, there's more teams or situations like this taking place in high school football. It's just that we don't know about it because this one got magnified because it made it to the ESPN and then it just kind of, you know, went to hell from there. So, um, yeah, man, check it out. I, I I absolutely recommend anyone who hasn't seen the documentary on HBO Max. Um, please check it out. Please, I highly recommend it. It's very enlightening. It's disheartening also to when you're thinking about as far as the kids and what they went through and experienced. But, um, yeah, it, it's uh, – it's 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 a uh, it's something you know. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, staying in uh in in pop culture, some things that are, are very controversial. Doja Cat. All right, you a Doja Cat fan, Jack? No, nah, not really. All right. 
I'm not gonna lie, Doja Cat does have some slaps. She has she had some slaps on her last couple albums. The Joint Streets was 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 pretty good. Now Doja Cat uh, has once again entered a uh, the controversy with viewers and with different uh, Christianity groups and things for her um, her new music and new video that she uh, released like two or three weeks ago called Demons. And so um, for the past three weeks or the month or maybe even the summer, there's been uh, a lot of controversy surrounding her and her music and this video as she's been accused of worshiping the devil and incorporating other demonic images into the video. Um, the lyrics of the song, she's talking about where my demon's at and so on and so forth. So I'm going to play a little bit real quick just so, uh, you know, some some folks get a, a, a decent idea of um, what we're, we're talking about here. See, I feel like a DJ today, man. I'm out here. Yeah, see? <laughs> you do that. You're multi-talented, man. Listen. All right, so the controversy uh, surrounding this uh, this video and the lyrics and the uh, the album that she has coming out soon is that um, she's promoting you know devil worship and she's gonna have people are very very much worried about her listeners and young children and uh, her just being her music being so influential to uh, leading them down to you know, to worship the devil, another demonic type of, um, you know, uh, imageries and things of that nature. So, Jay, based off of uh, that little little snippet we just played and uh, what else you, you read about the situation, what is your perspective on this? On our buddy Doja. I mean, listen, I don't, I, I don't want to be that, that guy, but I kind of like, even when you sent it to me, right, like, I understand why people are upset because I've been alive long enough to to know that this is the type of thing that periodically people get upset about, right? But some people are going to look at it as artistic expression. Some people are going to look at it as blasphemy. Some people are going to look at it as attention-seeking. Some people are going to look at it as music, right? <laughs> um, we went, we've been down this road a bunch of different times. Marilyn Manson, right? Little Uzi with the upside down crosses. Um, damn, who's the other dude? It's been other people, right? Like, um, but I think we gotta expand. We gotta look and say, first of all, I don't I don't necessarily think her music is for kids, right? It's for adults, right? Um I just went, came from the movies yesterday and they they advertisements for the exorcist, I think, you know, and for the nun, right? So you see where I'm going with this? It's like, if that's not your cup of tea, that's not what you believe in, it rubs you the wrong way, it makes you, gives you butterflies, then you just don't listen to it, you don't do it, right? But leading a generation down the wrong path, I think that's a step too far, you, you know? Um, so I'm gonna lead, that's kind of what I think. I, You know, I think you're gonna have people on both sides of this. Um, but at the end of the day, especially when we talk about entertainment, like movies, music, stuff like that, um, you got people that feel very strongly, people that don't. I'm not one of the people that feels very strongly about it. You know what I mean? It's entertainment. It's like if, the, if it's not your cup of tea, then don't listen to it. I wouldn't know about it if people wasn't writing and, and I didn't get to get it from you, the link. So that's what I think. And that's kind of my lane or my thought process. Historically, uh, Doja Cat has evolved over her career. 
Like, if you look at Doja Cat, the artist, and kind of like her onstage persona, it's very different from how she started. As right. she become more successful, um, her stage persona has become more eccentric. So, like, kind of with each album, there is like a different kind of theme. Different, you know. She's very when she's at the award shows, when she's at different galas or whatever the case may be, costumes, all of the different yard, right? That that's her thing. That's what she's becoming known for. Um, I don't know Doja Cat. However, at the same time, it appears that this is kind of right in line with what the album is going to provide. Like, I think this is going to be the theme. So it seems more like, again, people are going to go check it out based on the same strength of they're reading about it, right? You're hearing the controversy. And I think that might be or possibly could be the goal. Like, I don't know enough of her. I don't know her personally to say whether she does worship the devil or she doesn't, whatever the case may be. At the same time, this controversy is advertising her out. It's a situation where people are looking into it because we know that religion and politics are hot button topics, right? They're very taboo. This is why they tell you don't talk about religion and politics in your job or at your place of employment because it's something that people feel very passionate about, right? It's something right. that's very about and it, it absolutely will get tempers flying right because it's always either that either you're very kind of all or nothing either you are or you aren't so on and so forth right so i think her kind of taking this route and kind of talking with the you know demons and all the imagery and so on and so forth this is like advertisement right this is kind of like that you know uh i don't want to call it not I get that marketing outrage, right? You get people upset and talking about it. Now you have other people are going to, of course, one, they have to, in order for them to be upset about it, they have to watch it. So it's like, that's that's one more view. So to me, this is kind of like advertising. And I mean, here's the case. I mean, let's play devil's advocate, right? No pun intended. What if she is, right? What if she, what if that is something that she does actually believe in? She has the right to do so, right? Even right. though we may not like it, or maybe if you're of Christian beliefs or whatever your you know uh, faith is or denomination, just because you don't like it, it's kind of similar to what you said. Then it's not your cup of tea. Right? You don't listen to it. But even if she is, I don't really. How does that impact anything? Right? Because people have the right to state whatever belief that they want, whether it is you know, going to be received favorably by the masses or by the general public or not, right? Like, yeah, there's, there are plenty of people that say and worship or, or affiliated with whatever group. And a lot of people are in favor of it, but they have the right to express that. So, but I feel like this more than the songs, because again, Doja has had some slaps in the past. Like I've heard him. I'm not going to say her, like I haven't listened to her music. Um, Cause she has, she's made some good music. This, I don't know. Doesn't sound that great to me, just in my personal opinion. So I don't know if this is also kind of that marketing machine where it's like, hey, if I get people or the album or the song becomes controversy, then it's going to drive up the sales or the views and so on and so forth. So it kind of serves like a dual purpose. So I, I, I mean, listen, I'm just saying, you know, I just offered the opinion I did because, again, I, I want to be fair. Like, I, I just think when it comes to like music, art, you know, movies, different things. You're gonna have things that are that are pushing up against the line a little bit, right? Um, and things that some people, again, approve of. Some people gonna think it's blasphemy. Some people gonna think it's, you know, attention-seeking, offensive, whatever. You know, now in this with this situation with the video and all of that, I think you know. What I mean, I, it's not a big. It's not as much of a big deal to me. Now there's some other things that she done said in situations she done put herself in outside of music that it's like um, decision-making wise, character wise, you know what I mean? I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole, you know, that make me question her character, but I'm still not gonna throw under the bus with this specific situation because of something outside of, you know, her music, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, she's she's been in the, in the news in a, bu- a bunch of times over the years for like, let's just say poor decision-making statements that she's made regarding like people of color and different things like that. So 
I don't want to get into that because that's not what we were talking about specifically. Um, but I just want to make it clear, like in this case, you know, I'm not too concerned. And here's the thing. Also, if we're talking about and people uh, have the concerns of how influential it's going to be or how it's going to impact kids and so on and so forth. You know, and I know that we've seen, of course, studies that have been done over generations regarding the influence or impact of music and and behavior. And yeah, there's like a positive linear type of correlation relationship between it. At the same time, it's very, very low. Right. So it's not like you're going to hear this song or you're going to hear that. And all of a sudden you're going to switch your faith. Right. It's not that strong of a relationship. Yeah. There's, you know, some data that supports it, but it's very, very low. So, again, kind of jumping on or going down the road of, oh, it's going to take this person. and It's going to completely change their life. And they're gonna, your kids are going to become devil worshipers. And like, let's let's be honest, like very few of us. And I'm not talking even about research. I'm just talking about my experience, like. Very few of us are going to hear a song or watch a movie and change our views and beliefs. Much more often, it's going to strengthen a view or belief that you already have, and you're just going to you're just going to have the tendency to kind of move towards music and, and music and culture and different things like that that align with your beliefs. You know, but very few are very few times are you going to hear somebody say something in a song and then all of a sudden it's going to make you question life. You know what I mean? I just don't see that many examples of that. But again, it could happen. So, you know, you're going to have some people that are going to hold on to that little possibility that it could happen. But it is what it is, bro. Absolutely. All right. There's something more positive, Jay. There is a new trend on TikTok entitled Silent Walking. All right. And if uh, for those of our listeners and watchers that haven't been exposed to it, I'm gonna a little something, something. It goes. You playing the hits today, man. Man, listen. Yeah, what I'm about to do. If the psychology thing don't work out, you'll see me at the um, you know, you'll, you'll see you see me at the, uh, the at the boat parties and everything. You got me out there. <laughs> going for a stroll without chatting on your telephone, messaging, or looking at the most recent things that celebrities have said on social media. All in all. Shouldn't something be said about doing something individuals had been doing for years before cell phones, virtual entertainment, and social media? Goodness, how brilliant. Well, this centuries-old trend has actually become a new TikTok trend. It's even got another name, silent walking. So how would you go on a silent walk? Find someplace quiet to walk. Start walking. Simply continue to walk. Try not to check your cell phone. Simply continue to walk. To resist the temptation, it's best to leave all your devices at home prior to setting out on a walk. All those social media apps are designed to keep seeking your attention. You can definitely relax, the world won't end on your walk. And if it somehow does, you probably couldn't have done anything about it anyway. Envision going for a stroll without- That there is silent walking. Um. I love how once TikTok or social media gets a hold of something that's been taking place for like years and years and something that most people do already, that we got to throw a term to it, right? Like we have to popularize it. We have to romanticize it. We have to, now it's a trend. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that, man. I love that about TikTok. Uh, This is, um, I I would like to be more excited about something about this this particular topic or this trend but uh, i mean to me it's just again it's something that's been taking place now i do understand that of course with you know the modern age that we're in we are more distracted but overall this is mindfulness walking right uh this is a situation where absolutely you're walking with intention and you, you're not being distracted by any devices or anything of that nature um this is like a walking version of meditating right without a guided meditation. Um, the only thing that I didn't like from this particular uh, video and also what I've been seeing uh, some of the other uh, instructions or information about this as far as like leaving your phone and other different devices at home. Now that for me, is just more of a safety issue. Like I'm totally for if you want to go for, you know, a mindfulness walk or walk in nature in a park or wherever, 
totally with that, right? Absolutely. Go for it. Um, not a advocate or a subscriber of like walking without your cell phone in case something takes place, right? Because we have to remain safe in whatever situation, wherever we're going. So um, that's what this is for me. I mean, I get the excitement and I think maybe because um, it's this new age and Gen Z or whatever, um, you know, population or whatever age group is excited about this because they're so used to having their device and having their headphones and pods and so on and so forth. Um, and being without it is such like a, a new thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really too excited about this, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm happy that it's, you know, being advertised or being emphasized as far as mindfulness walking. Mm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised and I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, right? Because at the end of the day, we're just talking about another way to, you know, apply mindfulness, uh, you know, principles, right? Focusing on your breath, focusing on the present moment. So it could be mindful eating. It could be mindful walking, you know, like, um, I used to do during the training, I used to talk to people about um, mindfully walking through bath and body works, right? And trying to pick out different smells, right? Um, just an exercise I tell people to do. Um, Lo-fi hip hop, right? In terms of like focusing on the, the, the beat and the, um, you know, kind of focusing on your thoughts and the flow that way. Um, mindful eating, right? So it's just another way to apply it. Um, listen, if, I think it's important because what what I think it it, it outlines. Excuse me, <clears throat> just trying to find my thought. What I think it outlines is that mindfulness can be applied to everything, right? And that everybody isn't going to be into meditation. Everybody isn't going to be into yoga, right? But you can find that meditative state doing different things, right? Whether it be three D puzzle, whether it be reading, whether it be mindfully eating, or you know, so. I think that's the real point here. Um, and I think it's a good thing, right? Like when I first started, you know, I'm into like hiking and stuff like that. And when I first started hiking, I used to hike and listen to my um, music all the time. Mm -hmm. And not only, I mean, it's cool to do that sometimes, but not only is that dangerous a little bit because you can't really hear if like an animal or somebody's trying to call you or whatever, um, or somebody needs help, you know, but you also take away from the experience because. One of the reasons why people say, yo, go out into nature and you benefit is because you connect to nature through every sense, right? You feel the wind on your skin, you feel the change in the temperature, you smell the, the water, right? You smell the, the flowers, you smell the grass, right? If you sit down on the grass or if you're walking with, without um, shoes on, right? But also a key part of that is like what you hear, you know what I'm saying? Um, one of the most important exercises I've done with kids is is when you walk through the woods and you have to pick out, everybody has to pick out a different sound. Yeah, and, you, and you'd be amazed like how far you can get, right? Whether it be the snapping of twigs or picking out, you know, um, uh, whether it be squirrels or, you know, uh, birds, whatever it is. So it's a small thing. I get it. So I know why you're not like running for the hills, excited about it. But um I think it's a good, listen, some people have to like name things and, you know, in order to identify with them and stuff like that. And maybe that's just, this is just an example of that. Like this generation is saying, we're going to call it silent walking. 20 years ago it was called like, yo, go outside and take a walk, calm down. <laughs> you know what I mean? But maybe it could have been that. I'll go sit on the back porch. You know what I mean? And you get your mindful, you know, walk right there. But in a serious note, you know, sometimes people got to define stuff in, in order to identify with it, you know? So maybe that's what this is. No, I get it. I'm happy, again, just with mental health, getting more exposure. Um, any type of, you know, therapeutic activity, I'm totally for, right? I'm, I'm totally in, uh, in support of that in whatever, you know, capacity, like you mentioned, mindfulness, eating, walking, uh, whatever the case may be. So the fact that it's getting advertised or it's getting, you know, uh, more attention is being brought to it. It's absolutely a plus. That's just, you know, it, it was just funny. I was just like, oh, OK. I'm like, all right, this is, you know, not new. But we also have to understand that. I mean, for me, I'm also coming from a place of privilege. Right. Because it's something that 
we've been trained on, we've done groups, we've done, we worked with our clients, we've done this. So it's just always interesting, the new terminology that is utilized for something. Uh, At the same time, I'm going to highlight and underscore what you just mentioned in regards to, like, say, the generation, right? In order, sometimes it's kind of speaking their language in regards to what's going to be the aspect that, or the element that hooks them, right? They have to have possibly has to be labeled as something or has to be kind of advertised in a certain way. So with different um, generations, whether it be millennials, Gen Z, whatever the case may be, this is the way it's being promoted. This is the way that they're able to be hooked. And if, you know, as long as people get hooked on it and long as they start practicing it and it's something that um, is going to be beneficial for them, I'm all for it. Yeah. all for it um which brings me to our our next topic in regards to looking at the difference between um the mental health struggles and individual different generational groups in regards to their opinion or their perspective on their mental health so there was recent uh, a recent study that was conducted and it was let me get the group of this really quick Researchers surveyed more than 3,000 people aged 12 to 26 in April and May of this year. And um, it said only 41% of Gen Z members aged 18 to 26 from that group uh, identified their mental health as thriving. And uh, while millennials at that same age were thriving at a rate of about 60%. So... um, researchers are coming to the conclusion and trying to, uh, and they're showing evidence that Gen Z's mental health struggles are different and how different generations kind of describe their mental health. So um, a lot of members of the Gen Z described their mental health and, and emotional well-being as poor or only fair. Right. Um, and they had distinctive mental health struggles from those of previous generations at the same age. So um, where they said, only about 15% of the members of the Gen Z age 18 to 26 said that their mental health was excellent. So I think this overlaps with what we were just speaking about. I think absolutely one, just a different perspective. And I think each generation has um, encountered different struggles, right? Like, so you have the Gen Z uh, population of people that really just went through COVID and are still kind of, experiencing some of the long-term effects or some of the residual of COVID. So whether you were in school, um, like whether you were in high school, whether you were in college, whether you had just kind of starting out, maybe entry-level jobs, whatever the case may be, I think COVID was a little different for them in regards to a lot of milestones were uh, taken away from them. Uh, Whether it be prom, whether it be graduation, whether it be um, a lot of different things as far as work, so I think that played a part. I think some of the things that they were given or utilized as far as trying to cope with COVID and just kind of other things that were along with that, I think that had an impact. I don't think that's the solely thing that people are judging their well-being and their mental health on when they're describing it. Um, but I do think it hit different in regards to, like, say, if they're doing a poll and just kind of the different resources that are available. Um, resources between 18 and 26 in April and May are different than the research or kind of maybe the well-being that possibly like you and I would have described ourselves between 18 and 26, right? right. When we were in that age group or during that time frame. So I think it just also just highlights just the different challenges as well as, okay, what is utilized or what's available to cope with some of these things, right? And just kind of the general idea. I think now people are more, um, I think in just reporting, I think this generation or Gen Z are absolutely more forthcoming about their mental health. Uh, they're absolutely going to be uh, more transparent in saying, hey, where my mental health is, they're going to you know, express it, say their mental health is not doing well, or it is, as opposed, I think, more individuals with, um, you know, m- the millennials, we kind of was, uh, you know, just kind of keep it moving, right? It was kind of like, all right, I'm not feeling that great, but it'll get better or I'll work, I'll, I'll work my way out of it, whatever the case may be up until I think recently with more of the mental health information advocacy taking place. So that's what well, I think is contributing to that, that disparity in regards to Gen Z and the millennials and how they describe, I mean, you know, their well-being. What do you think? 
I mean, see this, and you know as well as I do, like we always, people are always going to debate on whether the older generation, um, whether whether Gen Z is less equipped, like in terms of emotional regulation, right? Whether um, millennials, you know, kind of, it was more stigma, right? Or whether they managed it better. Everybody's going to have opinions on that. Uh, you know, that's just going to happen. What we know is through the numbers, through what we see is that they're more likely to report it, right? And they've reported more negative emotions. And we also know what we see is that they live their life different than, this is almost like an experiment in itself because they're the first generation to live their life like in a fishbowl, right? Um, so they're, they grow up, you know, their failures, their successes. This is one of the first generations where the expectation is that a large majority of them live that in a public square, in a fishbowl, on Facebook, on IG, their breakups, their graduations, their, you know, highs, lows, all of that. Um, so again, am I surprised that in turn, they would be more forthcoming when it comes to their mental health? No, because, you know, these are the same, <clears throat> this is the same generation where maybe 25 years ago, you would say this certain demographic or this black block of people shouldn't cry in general, right? But people will cry on their Instagram page to the world. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Or to their followers, who is their support system, right? So we're watching people live out their life in public, right? Um, so it's just different. That's going to lead to different type of challenges. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm not surprised, you know, but it is, it is like, I think, very significant that when we look at millennials, 52% of them, half of them said, excellent. My mental health is excellent, right? And we're down to just a little bit over 10%. Now, that's a drastic difference. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a drastic difference. And to me, when you see that big of a difference, it can't be just one thing. It's a combination of things. You know what I mean? It's probably stigma, um, you know, being redu reduced. It's probably them being used to living their life or in, in public. You know, it's probably the effect on the old guys like me, you know, in that, in that generation, feeling like, you know, you got to internalize all your feelings. It's probably a mix of all of that. You know what I mean? It's probably the, all we have the celebrities and all of the, and all of these people, you know, pushing mental health now, um, TikTok pages and all of this stuff. Um, you know, it's, but I, I think when you see a big swing like that, it's a bunch of factors. I don't think it's one factor, you know, but. Also, what is their, what is their idea? Like, I would love to know what the criteria or maybe what the rating was. Like, what are the norms when they're saying, okay, excellent, not you know not good not like what exactly is the criteria right like what is i'm assuming it was a well i don't know but i'm just saying i was assuming i'm assuming like to simplify it it was a it was a it, it yeah. probably was a scale like approved disproved well you know what i mean like um like or anything but right yeah. right right you know what i mean like fair good excellent yeah that type of stuff i think even just kind of us the millennials and Gen Z of what our ideas, but I do think there's a difference between how millennials will describe what their version of excellent is and what millennials' version of excellent is. No, right? that's a good point. That's a good point. But I think even just kind of the language disparity or just kind of how they would describe it, I think also comes into play in regards to okay, what we considered excellent was or not good, because again. It, with the stigma, just kind of with the culture of just kind of, you know, just, yeah, just going down the line, but just keeping it moving, such and such, whatever. Now with uh, a lot of different, like you said, being, having that magnifying glass on you and knowing that it's okay and you getting kind of that, I think that changes the dynamic of things. Right. right? Also a lot of the financial component, like things are different financially that it is than it was for us at that particular time or that that age group than it is for them more resources less resources like you got to think what is the economy what are different things looking like right also the exposure i think you brought it up when you just said everything's in the magnifying glass right they're growing up pretty much in front of the camera they're not they're absolutely you know 
more open to whatever they're experiencing, putting it on the phone or on whatever social media. I think it's the other way where we get so much or not or right now there's so much information, right? So in addition to them, you know, whatever they're expressing, how much is popping into your algorithm, right? That is an right. impact on mental health. Like we've talked about that on previous episodes on how much information, how much we're seeing. We're seeing people die on camera. We're seeing all different I mean, we've had to talk about social media breaks. So you're I, absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that also comes into play where it's like not only what they expressing but also kind of like what is the impact of them seeing this all the time and then just that language barrier like i would i think there's a big difference between what excellent is like on both or good or whatever the case or what our definitions are but it's interesting i mean I no, that's a, something that they're going to that's a good point that's a good point right because what's your definition of excellent and what your expectations are um and that's that that can change for that that's different for so many people you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's hard to get to one definition of excellent you know what i mean like i know mine is going to differ from a lot of people you know what i mean like so yeah but it's interesting i think this is going to be an ongoing study you know like every five ten years they're always in whatever the i don't know what's after gen z i don't know i don't know what that generation is but whatever there's always going to be that you know, generational or social comparison, especially I'm happy that they're doing continuing to do like these longitude studies in regards to their um, perspective of what, how their mental health is doing, because it's eye opening, right? All of this is good information for, okay, well, this is what, this is how their, their perspective, what their point of view is now, especially as us as clinicians coming to a play okay, or what are some things that we can do to help? What, what are some things that we can start to incorporate is it silent walking? Is it other more things, especially that don't involve your device? Because it is like to us walking without our phones or things. We lived in a life of that, right? Like we were able to walk around when, you know what I mean? If you if you didn't have your Walkman or whatever, or your, or your disc player, like, uh, that's, right? <laughs> yeah, that, I can't even, I don't even know how, how we survived, man. I mean, we did. Listen, man, I, I grew up in again, we grew up in a time time where it's like like I had to go find my friends sometimes, you know what I mean? On the bike, you know what I mean? I go around the corner and you know, right. Everybody was where they supposed to be, you know, like answering machines and all of that, you know, but again, would I go back? No, but there are things that you will never see again, right? And I'm not say I'm not just trying to romanticize them, right? But there are experiences that I had that you you will never have again, right? Like sitting out on the porch with my cousins for hours in the summer, right? And we just talking, entertaining ourselves, just rapping, just whatever we doing, playing force, whatever we doing, right? Um, playing football, basketball, like with phones, like you will never see certain types of human connection again. It's gone. You know, that's why like you would have to pay somebody $2,000 to take your phone and take you up to the mountains and give you that experience for four days. It doesn't, it doesn't work voluntarily like that anymore. But again, I don't want to romanticize it too much because, you know, I love my phone, but you know. I remember thinking about when you used to wait in line somewhere, right? Like whether you were at the bank or you were like at the post office or you were someplace, you literally, you had to be patient, right? You were there waiting in line for your turn to come up. You weren't on your phone. You didn't have something like, you you know what I mean? we're not going to see that again as you just mentioned right there are just certain aspects that we're not going to see again and i think that contributes to people's kind of temperament being low um just because they're always distracted but they, we have the phone right to pacify past time even the kids right you can be at the supermarket if the kid is oh they give them the phone they give them the, the tablet right that wasn't a thing it was literally like if you were walking to your friend's house like you were walking by yourself with your own thoughts and you it was that was it so well, we'll see, man. It's interesting. I mean, listen, of course, we're not stupid. Like, it does serve a purpose, um, but it's just about balance, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we are the best generation ever, Jay. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, listen, Jay, anything else before we get out of here? Nah, man, just, again, just want to thank everybody uh, 
for riding with us over the summer. You know, we're getting back to kind of regular schedule. So I'm just thankful for everybody that takes the time to listen. Everybody's been hanging with us. Um, you know, we excited about a couple of new things we're going to, me and you are going to add and implement. So um, that's really it. So thanks a lot. Everybody, make sure you visit Cammy's Closet. I'm making some changes. I paused my website for right now. I'll be paused for about a week while I make up some changes, maybe two weeks. Um, but make sure you visit Cammy's Closet. Support my man Kyle, Dr. Osborne, um, what he's trying to do for people who, uh, you know, uh, have housing instability and have other needs. So, Absolutely. Appreciate that. And when Jay does have that new fall winter material collection to come through, <laughs> we'll see it here first. This is where you're going to see it. You might see it on the runway. You never know. You know what I mean? That's how we do it. We definitely appreciate everybody supporting both of our uh, our endeavors and also absolutely supporting us on this platform. We know you can anywhere in the world listening and doing anything else, but you have been checking in with us. We appreciate the comments on YouTube. Absolutely keep them coming in. We love the feedback. We love the ideas. We love the conversation and the dialogue going back and forth with you guys. So, um yeah, appreciate the love. So, everybody, Jay, have a great weekend. I'll be looking out for your squad. Um, you know, good luck to you guys. You got the Jets, right? Jets coming up? Yeah, we got the Jets this okay. week, man. Who y'all, who y'all got? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh, all right. So, I already know who y'all got, Kansas City or somebody? No, we got, no, we got Houston. So, we, we might be able to pull it out. All right. That's one of them. All right, bro. All you right, man. No, man. I'll talk, I'll talk to you all this week. Absolutely. Wishing everybody good mental health. No doubt. Later. All right.